0: Oh. So when Scott took me on a date to church, um, we, I, I actually told him if he ever took me to a place like that again, I wouldn't go out with him anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a true story. I'm not kidding. It was a church like this, just so you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, there are ways that we see perfect Christians, perfect faith, perfect right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know about you, but perfect is a pretty tall word. And so when we're looking at the title of this message being Picture Perfect, Who Wants to Run? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so I asked Dante this morning, I came out and I said, "Um, Dante, does this sweater look like a grandma sweater? He goes, yep, a Disney grandma sweater. (laughs) And, uh, And he said, but you be you, grandma, you be you. So... Actually said, you be you, boo. You be you, boo. Yeah, Yeah, he did. So I'm wearing the Disney grandma sweater. I don't know what constitutes a Disney grandma sweater, but I have to tell you that that. it was a 75-year-old friend who gave me the sweater. And I'm just saying I like it. Yes. You know what I mean?
2: I like it. Anyway. Very good. Well, you are a grandma.
0: But, you know, you be you, boo. And so just go ahead, tell somebody, you be you, boo. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's this part of... Our uh, our story, as we've been talking about the life story, the story of my life, and sometimes it comes out like that's the story of my life, you know. Um, but here's our reality: there are things that we have failed in, and there are uh, times where we felt like even that failure cut us off from the possibility of having a good relationship with God or with other people, maybe when we failed deeply. And when you read scriptures like be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect, you just might want to, you know, say, really? Is that a for-real scripture? Especially when it's at the end of the chapter, uh, you know, it's actually verse 48, so there are 47 verses before this, that if you read chapter 5, it starts with, the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those who mourn. Then it moves into don't murder people, but if you hate them, it's like murdering. Don't lust after somebody, but if you've thought an impure thought, you might as well have lusted, you know, you might as well have committed adultery. I mean, the whole chapter is like, seriously, how is anybody going to make it <laughs> to be perfect as God is perfect? So here's, a, here's an assignment for the week. Read chapter 5 of Matthew. And then let that last verse, 48, just center right down into your soul and wonder about the verses before it. Because if we are not in a relationship with God that is full of holiness, which is love and wholeness, um, we will hear it in a very different way. That's why um, we want to tell you ahead of time that we've got this, uh, this common project coming up where we're actually going to be going through the major themes of Scripture And helping people become more biblically literate so that we actually know the Word of God and we know how to discern the Word of God. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. So that's going to be coming up here after this series. And then when I think about the perfection of, you know, the Bible and the perfection of God and the imperfection of Claire... Um, Scott's closer to perfection than me, but, but you know, I, I'm, I've got a little more work to do. I'm sure that's true. And, uh, and so <laughs> what I know is that um, I want space to be made perfect. And, well, actually, you know, I, I didn't give you this. It's kind of a spoiler alert, but the Greek word there is to be mature or complete. That word perfect mm-hmm. is to be mature or complete, to be whole to actually have this ongoing growth that is happening in us, and which is why we do stuff like retreats. Um, I have to tell you that because I am so full of inner noise, my life is busy, I'm a person who works, I have a family that has a lot of noise, I have uh, all kinds of things that sometimes I feel like, oh, I need to do that, I need to do this. And if I don't take time to quiet down the inner noise, uh, my soul is not well enough to be the kind of um, wife I want to be to Scott, the kind of friend I want to be to all of you. Um, There is something about gaining the ability to find inner silence that affects all of our relationships. And so Colossians, if you guys would read it with us, this is a pastor passage He is the one we proclaim, proclaim, meaning Jesus, admonishing admonishing and and teaching everyone with all wisdom so so that that we we may present present everyone fully perfect,
2: mature in Christ.
0: Christ. To To this this end, end, I strenuously strenuously contend with with all all energy Christ so powerfully powerfully works in me. So this is a pastor, an apostle, saying, look, I want to present all the people that Mm -hmm. I have the responsibility to love and care for, I want to present them to Christ fully mature. And in, um, in a, a culture, friends, that um, we just don't always have the time to get quiet with God's word and prayer and spiritual conversations, um, Scott and I take this really seriously. And there are times we stay up at night, there are times we wake up at night. And just say, God, would you please help us? Because we know we're not doing it well enough. We're, we're loving, but we're not loving well enough. And, and we pray because we strain. I'm telling you guys, we strain. And anybody on our pastoral staff would tell you the same thing, that, you know, we, we want to do right by you. That when you stand before God and they say, you went to Crossroads? Um, mm-hmm. You know... They, those people, they, they loved me, and they attempted to love you well. And I think there is this really important part of saying that um, when we make provision to give you a better way to end your story, that we want you to seriously consider it. To say, could that kind of a practice or that kind of experience help me to become fully mature. Mm -hmm. So what's one thing you've learned from this series about where your life story is going? Mm -hmm. So just consider that, even as we're talking today. You know, if you haven't seen um, uh, or participated in all the worship services, you can catch back up online. But, you know, we've been talking about our story and where is our story going? Where is our story going?
2: Right, so... Um, For Claire and I, our story together started really young. Um, A lot of you know that. We were married at, uh, well, I like to say, uh, depending on how I think Claire will react to this, that uh, sometimes I say we were 18, but the truth is, so sometimes I'll say, well, Claire was 19, actually, and I was 18 Uh when we got married. Robbed the cradle. uh, So it must be one of those mornings where I feel like I can... (laughs) <laughs> throw that out there anyway because I
0: have my Disney grandma sweater yeah, on you're kind of mm-hmm. feeling
2: grandish. um so on our honeymoon we went to Toronto we uh we we just it was kind of comical uh not the not the trip to Toronto but our whole when honeymoon. you're 18 uh there's it's it's just like
0: you're you, da- you you feel dangerous amaze. this morning yeah I do I
2: feel dangerous thank you Uh Thank you. uh
0: I might want your brother to come sit on the other side
2: and (laughs) help me out here. Security, security. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we went to Toronto. Um, I'll just try to stick to the part that matters for this morning. So so anyway, we went to Toronto, and, uh, you know, we had never been to Toronto, and we decided that part of what we wanted to do was uh, go to a comedy club.
0: Actually, I wanted to go to the Claire comedy club. Claire wanted to club. go to a
2: comedy club. You wanted
0: to see the Toronto Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't I, think they were playing yet, but it was earlier in the year, So, but you wouldn't have known that. Anyway, um,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I knew that. It's a true story. Anyway, so I didn't even ask maybe if it would have been a right, June right, wedding. With anyway, anyway, so we go to this comedy club, so it's like a dinner theater, right? So uh, Claire's really excited about going, and I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I've told you all this before, none of you believe me, but uh, I am introverted, like I'm very much, you know, if I walk into a room like this, it's the first time I'm in here, I want to be, I feel most comfortable in the back row, pretty close to the exit. Um, and that's because of being an introvert, but I've learned over the years that I'm not married to an introvert, so usually (laughs) I'm sitting in the front row wherever I go, or if I win the conversation, I'm in the third, fourth row. Anyway, uh, so we went in. It's dinner theater, so not everybody's going to eat first. Well, Claire and I are really excited. We've never been to a comedy club before, so uh, of course, we're dressed to the nines, like as dressed to the nines as you can be as teenagers. I mean, I've got a suit on. Claire is looking just amazing, and she's got this dress on. And we walk in, and we're like, well, we want to, we wanna, like, they said, well, here's the seating chart. Claire says, I want to sit right in the front. Like, right first table, right in the front, right in front of the stage. Well, anybody, if you've ever been to a comedy club, that means you're the butt of all jokes for the rest of the night, which really felt good for me. Um, So we ate, and um, yeah, that's a whole other story. We ate, and then, yeah, so then the acts start coming out. It's amateur night, of course. Uh, One guy's from Hamtramck, Michigan, and that's another part of the story. But the piece... Uh, at a certain point, one of the comedians comes out. This is why I out.
0: said, let's not tell this story, because yeah. I had no idea. You got
2: me off track when you said I needed security. This is the story anyway, of my
0: life, everybody. So, Hanging
2: out with him. So the uh, one comedian gets up, and he ref- starts to refer to It's early on in the, the routine. There's going to be like a dozen... Comedians, I think it's the first honey, or second guy, honey, honey. says, we Don't these two scrunchies. remind you of Malibu, Barbie, and Ken? Because we're like dressed up, suit, and everything. Everybody else in t shirt and jeans, shorts, that kind of thing, right? So for the rest of the night, we are Malibu, Barbie, and Ken. Now, we never really thought we were Malibu, Barbie, and Ken that night. Um, never really thought we've ever been Malibu Barbie and Ken, but obviously I'm at least not Ken anymore. Or Malibu, We can all say amen you're to Irish. that. So the so. point is this <laughs> <laughs> the point is this is that uh, things change. We we have transformed. We've been married almost 40 years, and we're certainly not Malibu Barbie and Ken anymore. But
0: the best part of that story is the church that we were in while we were going to Bible college, the pastor one day said, and someday, you kids, you are not going to be Malibu Barbie and Ken. Yeah. Now, there's 3,000 people in the congregation, and so Scott and I looked at each other, and we just said, I think God is trying to say to us that things are going to change for us and we don't know what that means yes. but it was a little it was it was a little disorienting you know like how is god going to change us how is god going to move us from you know ball gowns to grandma sweaters and yes. all of that kind of stuff and so here thing.
2: we are so the point the point is is um, we do form we change we all know that we we transform we're going to be formed we are forming today right so when it comes to this issue, this conversation about being perfect or being picture perfect, the first thing probably all of us need to rest in is that there is a formation process going on in our lives.
0: And are we deforming right. or are we transforming?
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we just want to bring out just two things that the scripture really uh, speaks about that kind of can be challenging because they almost sound contradictory. Claire talked about that Jesus himself... Uh, invited us to be perfect. And um, uh, and then, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, invites us to, or he kind of tells us that we're not perfect because he says he's not perfect. So we look at Paul and we say, gosh, if Paul's not perfect, let's read the scripture in Romans, uh, starting at verse 18. It says, for I know, this is Paul, talking about his own life, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin is living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for in my inner being I delight in God's law. In other words, that's really the goal that he has. But I see another law at work in me. It wages war against the law of my mind and makes me prisoner of the law of sin that's at work in me. What a wretched man I am. Now this is the Apostle Paul, right? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's all say that together. Thanks be to God who who delivers me through through Jesus Christ, Christ our Lord. Lord. So here's the Apostle Paul. Okay, so on one hand you have Jesus. What does Jesus mean, for instance, when he says to be perfect? And then the Apostle Paul says, I'm a wretched man. And you look at the Apostle Paul, and especially at this point when he writes the book of Romans, Paul is like... Paul writes around 50% of the New Testament, Paul's the author of. So if you look at Paul and you say, he's saying he's a wretched man, how in the world do these two things come together? How do we we reconcile this? So um, the other piece of it for us, we just have this knowing, we even say it often, nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. We, we, We feel comfortable with that. And I don't think we say that to be excusing our behavior most of the time. I think sometimes we might do that. But for the most part, we just realize that nobody's perfect. So Jesus says to be perfect. Paul says nobody's perfect. And he says, I'm not. He's not perfect. So isn't the bar so high? Well, the first thing is when it comes to nobody's perfect, nobody is perfect outside of. This relationship with Christ. That's what Paul refers to. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. What he's speaking to is what the saints of old used to call sanctification. In other words, Paul is saying, positionally, because I've received Christ in my life and I'm living a life in Christ, positionally, Christ sees me. God sees me as perfect. God sees me as without spot or blemish, but then uh, the word sanctification or that term kind of had a threefold meaning. There's positional, I'm right with Christ, I'm perfect before God. There's ultimate, I'm right before God, which means someday after we, uh, after we die and pass on from this life, that if you have a relationship with Christ, ultimately, sanctification just means you are set apart, you are perfect before God. Ultimately, you'll be perfect before God in heaven if you're a Christ follower. And the third thing that it, that it means is the one that Paul's really talking about here in his own life, and it is the ongoing process of sanctification, that we go from glory to glory. There is, we do transform. We either, we either are moving towards uh, transformation, towards conformity into the image of Christ, towards becoming more like uh, that image that Christ created us to be, or moving away from that. Now, it could sound like really big stuff, but I I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, um, you and I are co-laborers with Christ, not only in doing the work of Christ out there or in the world, but we co-labor with Christ in the work of God in our own life. See, faith is not the same as works, right? It's not the same as works. We know that. We know that grace is not the same as works. However, faith and grace, it's almost contradictory to that. However, faith and grace are right at home with our, with our making ourselves available to God for the process of becoming more like Christ desires us to be, right? Uh, that's why when Jesus invites us to things like you know, take the narrow road, right. that it's important to try to live a life that's taking a narrow road to bring because- To effort to that. Right, there's, mm-hmm. that effort is not the same um, as works. It, there's this uh, seemingly subtle, but it's actually not so subtle, that I make myself available before Christ. So I'm not perfect, but there's this ongoing process going on in my life. And I would say this, I think what happens is we do use examples of people, we look around and we see people that are really doing well um, spiritually, and we, we may even at times say, Gosh, I would really like to have that kind of relationship with Christ. So, what happens is what happens to a lot of us in the natural, right? Like, if for those of us that have, uh, for instance, decided at some point we wanted to get more healthy physically, uh, we're going to exercise more, right? Um, and we go into this vigorous exercise plan and uh, sometimes what happens is we get, we try to bite off too much, more than we can chew, and because we bite off more than we can chew, we get discouraged in it. Or we
0: never even attempt it, because it just seems too big.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage all of us to say, when it comes to, I'm going to, I'm going to be committed to this uh, relationship with Christ, this ongoing process in my life, yes, I'm not perfect, but God is moving me to become more and more a representation of his image uh, on the earth. I'm going to make myself more and more available. What is the next step for that for you, right? What is the next uh, step? I love, um, I love this one uh, example of George Washington Carver. Um, he was known as a person of faith, George Washington Carver, probably one of the greatest um, scientists in the United States history. Um, anyway, Carver said that one night um, he was praying and he called God Mr. Creator, and uh, he went before God one night. He was out uh, out in a, out in the woods and praying. And he said, "Mr. Creator, um, can you tell me uh, why you made the universe?" And he said he received a voice back. Um, his understanding was it was from God, and he said that the voice spoke back to him and said, "Little man." This is too big for you. And so he just kind of left it at that, went out the next night and uh, was praying again and said, "Uh, Mr. Creator, why is it that you created humanity? Why is it that you created all of these people? And Carver said he heard back, little man, uh, this this is just too big for you. This subject is too big for you. The third night he was out again and um, said, Mr. Creator why is it that you created the peanut? And the voice spoke back to him and said, Little man, this you can handle. And if you pay attention, I'm going to show you what you can do. And he had, as many of us know, over 300, um, 300 things that he created out of, the, out of the peanut. And it was really because God... God's direction, but it seemed like a little step. He started wanting to change the universe, <laughs> right? And it seemed it got down to peanuts. So I think that it's important for all of us to to work maybe in that place as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just say this: I love this. I love this scripture because what happens as we take these steps of faith. So for you, I don't. We we can't exactly say what that is for each other. Um, for you, it might be that tomorrow you want to start to take 10 minutes a day to begin to pray consistently, 10 minutes a day. Um, for you, uh, it might be, you know, you want to read, you want to read uh, for 10 minutes a day in the scripture. Everybody's in a different place with all of these things, but what are those things that can begin to form us? Um, because then what starts to happen, and we talked about this a little bit last week, Matt and Don. Don. But what starts to happen is our life begins to produce fruit. Our life starts to change, which is a work of the Spirit as we make ourselves available. Um, And we start to see things like compassion and love, kindness and generosity showing up more in our lives. It just begins to flow Mm -hmm. more uh, out of our lives. So uh, I love this scripture, and I'll, I'll just hand it back to Clear on this, in James 1, 4, this is a great example of this, and let endurance, which that would be one of those things that happens in our lives as we draw closer to Christ and we move closer to the image of Christ, let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be, everyone say it, perfect, perfect and, and, complete, and complete, lacking in nothing.
0: Let's look at this little video.
1: Do you want him to stay a little forever? Yeah, he's so cute. Because he's so cute and it makes you cry. And I, and I don't want to die when I'm a hundred. You don't want to die when I'm a hundred. Hahaha.
0: the Enneagram might know what style that little girl is. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about her just expressing, I don't want him to grow up. I remember when Josiah was a baby and he was born the year after our son, Paul, went to heaven. And I said that out loud. I don't ever want him to grow up. I want him to be a baby. I want him to stay a baby. And our, our old friend Floyd Baker said, Claire, that would not be a good thing for him to be a baby and 40 years old and you still changing his diaper.
1: <laughs>
0: and, uh, and, you know, we laughed about it, but here's the reality is that there are ways we don't want to grow up. And there are ways we resist the growing up process because some things are just so cute and they're so fun. And, you know, they might seem like they really, uh, they really matter, but here is this, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that word perfect saying, let's keep maturing. You know, it's different than perfect. It is really about wholeness consumed by love, which is holiness. Mm -hmm. It's wholeness consumed by love, which is holiness. When I look at the scriptures, and maybe you can see this, but it's actually from Luke chapter 4. Verse five, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, and what, there is always going to be a battle when you're maturing about who are you, Mm -hmm. and where does your identity come from, right? I mean, our poor grandson is sucking on a Sparty pacifier and wearing a Wolverine sweater, (laughs) This child is going to be so confused about his identity, but he's got a (laughs) Sparty mother and a Wolverine father. And and so we laughed about that yesterday, but we, we do know that we contribute to the identity of the people we're in relationship with that we actually help form their identity. For good or bad, we have ways of forming them. And so when you think about the fact that there is a war for your identity, just like for Jesus, when Jesus went into the desert, it was like, if you're the son of God. Now you may not hear the devil say that to you like that, if you're the son of God or if you're the daughter of God, but trust me, the evil one attempts to distort your identity, hide your identity, destroy your identity. This is the work of the evil one. If you if you know anything about that Luke chapter 4, Jesus is up against it for 40 days. Like if you are as great as you think you are. Mm-hmm. So here's this reality, friends, you are a child of God. And and Satan is no match for God, but Satan to get at God's juggler vein of love goes after God's children. Mm-hmm. So don't doubt for a minute that there is not a war against your identity or the identity of your kids or the identity of your friends. That when they are sitting alone in their room, they wonder if they matter. They wonder if they're good enough. They wonder if God loves them. They wonder if people think they're okay. In the alone times, the evil one tries to distort and hide and destroy the identity of people. That God loves. And so this transformation, this becoming mature, really there's got to be some handles around how do we get around the people that are going to help us? Because what hurts your identity? I don't know, culture, opinions, media, resentment, bitterness, angry, suggested thoughts that come to your head. What for you? What distorts your identity? What's the voice in your head that says, if you're really a Christian, Mm. if you're really a good friend, if you're really a good person, whatever it is, you you know that there's something that tries to hit your identity. And I got to tell you, your identity is a big honking deal to God. Mm -hmm. See, God actually, the, the story of my life is either deforming or transforming. And God will bring illumination and transformation. And what you need to know is the devil will bring degradation and temptation. You remember the old cartoons where you can see the angel and the demon on the, you know, just check it out. Am I being illuminated and transformed here by what I'm thinking about my own identity or am I feeling degraded and tempted? Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, isn't God good to make it that clear for us? You have a good, good heavenly parent. Mm -hmm. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that speaks words of comfort and, get, and, and will afflict you when you're comfortable to get you to move, but not in a way to destroy you. God will always be working on your behalf. You don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to, um, you don't have to uh, live in degradation or temptation. I love what Blaise Pascal said. He said, not only do we know God by Jesus Christ alone, but we know ourselves only by Jesus Christ. We know life and death only through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, we do not know what our life, nor our death, nor God, nor ourselves. It is only in Christ. Mm-hmm. So this wonderful physicist, mathematician, and philosopher, I think, sums it up beautifully. And if you know that any that, that in Christ, you know 140 times the scripture talks about being in Christ. Why? Because it's important. When we're in Christ, we know our identity, and we don't give ourselves to deforming things. We'll start to say, no, I, I want to keep forming into the image of Christ. I'm not going to go into the degradation. I want to keep going into illumination. Thirty-five times the, uh, the words in Christ are connected to identity. I can't go through all of those today, but I'm telling you, we're, with the Common Project, we're going to start looking at who are you. Who, who? who, (laughs) who, right? Because once we start to get who we are, when we get it that we are in Christ, we get to see what is illumination and what is degradation. So when we see that this is an invitation from God because you are in Christ, this is the story of your life, this is your story, here is your true identity. Can you read this with me? You You are are a chosen chosen people,
1: people,
0: a a royal royal priesthood. priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I mean, just take a look at who you are chosen, royal, holy, special, right? The people. The people. You are the people. Tell somebody you are the people. The people. You're the people. And now you have received mercy. This is your identity. And when we are moving toward transformation, we're going to be knowing more and more of this, and it calls us to live in the light of God. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to move in this direction. I don't want to deform. I want to transform by the grace of God. Ephesians 1.4 says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy. Holy, everybody, holy. 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 We're called to be holy I mean, we're different, we're chosen, we're royal, we're special. So if we get stuck in Romans 7, we'll never find Ephesians 1. Right? We want to say, look, that gives us a way to see, look, I mess up, but I am chosen. Before God even ever thought up the ocean, which is fabulous, God thought of you, chose you before the creation of the world to be holy, which means what? Whole in love. W-H-O-L-E, whole in love. I know that when I do the things I don't want to do, it's because I forget that I'm loved. Mm -hmm. I forget my identity. I forget that I am God's own child. I have a spiritual director who says about pastors, but you can apply this to your own life, but this is my story. You are the blank screen for people's unresolved conflicts and projections. So, I found this little thing recently that says, uh, you know, the four agreements, which is fantastic, but I love number two. Can you read it with me? Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Hmm. When my identity comes under fire and I forget who I am, I suffer. I suffer. When I believe the opinions of someone else, I suffer. When I have external people defining me, people, right, you suffer. Mm -hmm. Like if it's if you have those shoes on, you drive that car, you have that career, and you live by that external identification, you will suffer. Mm -hmm. But when you live in Christ, there's something that eases your suffering. Because all of a sudden you realize, you know what, I'm not going to be the blank screen for other people's projections. Not my husband's, even though you say nice things to me. Right? Put it in your own vernacular. Not my boss. Not my friends at school. i My identity is in Christ. 1 Peter 1.16 says, be holy because I'm holy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Be whole in love. Scott and I um, found this quote this week. And you guys can come on up. These are some of our grandkids, and it says, it helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. We are prophets of a future, not our own. We are prophets. Can you say that? We are prophets Prophets of of a a future, future, not not our our own. own. How I help my grandchildren learn their identity is going to matter for the future. Mm -hmm. And I can't speak life over anybody if I'm not letting the identity that's true about me Mm -hmm. come to me. Mm -hmm. Right? Will you stand, friends, in Christ? Royal people, special people, holy people, people that belong to God. And when we know that, it changes us and the ways that we spend our time, you know, like what is going to, what is going to contribute to my transformation and what is going to contribute to my deformation? Is my running my life like a, you know, crazy woman helping me transform or am I deforming and becoming short and becoming somebody I don't want to be? Is staying in this job and complaining about it every day helping transform me into the person that God, or do I need to take a look and see what God is saying to me? Because you are God's holy people, yeah. special, royal, and the scriptures are going to help you believe that. Conversations with people who will speak life over you are going to help you believe that, Right? There, you might need to fast everything that puts junk in your soul and say, what am I, how am I going to make time to remember that I am royal? I am special. I am God's own. I am holy because I'm being made whole in love. Yes. So let's just pray. We're closing up this series, God, but we're not closing the book on the story you're writing in us. So God, will you help each person touch into the truest thing about them? That if they have said yes to you, they are in Christ. And that our identity is formed around this royal reality. Would you help us see our story with an ending that says, I kept moving toward love and the wholeness of love. And I would not let anything identify me, not my past, not my sins, not other people's opinions, not the culture, not friends or enemies. But I will keep paying attention to what is most true, is that I'm in Christ. And in this moment, would you just breathe that in? If you've never asked Jesus to come and live and move and have being in you. Or if it's been a long time, just breathe it in and say, I want to be in Christ. I want my story to be different. I want to live in Christ. I want to live in the royal family. I want to live identified by God so that then I can help others form. Take my
1: life and
2: Their life, all that it contains, of the waking, the sleeping, the moving, the living. We bless it. We bless everything each one of us puts our hands to. So we send each and everyone forth into this week, into the into our story with blessing. Lord, thank you that you're with us. Thank you you that you go in strength with us. So we receive all that you have. In your powerful name. Amen.
0: Amen. Have a great week, you royal family.